Good morning, church. It is cold outside. Uh, let's pray. Then I have an encouraging message for you this morning. Let's pray. God in heaven, Father, we thank you for giving us a warm place to worship. Father, I know that many of us uh, wish we had our own, but Lord, you know these times of the year when those bills are escalating, and I appreciate somebody else paying for our heat to be on right about now. So I'm just grateful, Lord, that we have a place to meet, that we have a place where we can come together and worship you and and uh, warm each other up with our faith and our fellowship. And I pray, God, that this message will be warming to our hearts as you call us higher for yet another new year. I pray, Father, for all those who are uh, going into the new year with health issues, with uh, relational challenges. Uh, we've already uh, gone before you in prayer for our sister Anna and our sister, uh, sister Lucina, God. Uh, we, we already know that the year is starting off challenging for them, Lord, but we know that you are a God of the impossible. There's nothing you can do. There's no heart that you cannot heal. And Father, we pray that we can do our parts in helping our brothers and sisters uh, find strength in you. Uh, be with me, God. Let my words be yours. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. You can turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. We'll be getting there in just a moment. But I have a question I wanted to ask you. How many of us have ever been dared to do something crazy? You have been dared to just do something, and after the fact, you were like, that was ridiculous. That was crazy. But wasn't it exciting, though? At some point of it, you, you know, you, you may challenge yourself to do something. You, on, on any other Sunday or any other day, you would never have thought to bring yourself to do something crazy. But do you remember how nervous and afraid you felt? Maybe someone gave you a challenge to, to eat some sort of weird concoction like we do at teen camps. Uh, where they blindfold you and then they put something in front of you and you have to drink it. And, and, and that's a dare in and of itself, right? I know growing up, we dared each other to do a lot of crazy things. And uh, some of those resulted in us spending a, little, a few hours in the hospital. But that was a part of growing up. You, you took dares. You challenged each other. You, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of things to do, so we just dared each other to do some crazy things. And that was just one dare. But what about the double dare? You guys remember the double dare? I mean, now, if someone dared you to do something, you thought, okay, you might, you know. But if someone double dared you, then you really had to, all right, I can't back down from a double dare. But who remembers the infamous double dog dare? You can't back down or walk away from a double dog dare and show your face in any public facility. You couldn't go on the block if you backed down from a double, oh, he backed down from a double dog dare. No, you had to take a double dog dare, right? Well, I believe that God is giving us a double dog dare for 2018. I believe that God is daring us to dream in 2018. 
Now, 2017, I don't know what it was like for you. Maybe you had an okay. I know the brother got up here in communion and, and reflected on his year. When I look back at my year, I thought, eh, there were some moments. But I don't know about you. I like excitement. That's why I'm a Knicks fan. Because every game, you never know what you're going to get. You may think you're going to know, but then they surprise you, and then sometimes they let you down. But that's the whole excitement about being a sports fan. Can't say the same for the Giants. I think I already knew what they were going to end up like. But anyway, anyway, the reason I'm a fan of that team is because I know eventually it's not going to be that way all the time. Nobody knew, and don't tell me you knew, that the Golden State Warriors would be champions 15 years ago. And I bet someone who was a Golden State Warrior fan said, you know what, it's not going to be this way. I got a dream. I can see my team winning the championship. I'm going to keep dreaming and keep dreaming and keep dreaming until it happened. Now they're... They're a household name. Some of y'all never heard of Kirk, uh, a, a Golden State Warrior. You didn't even know it was the NBA team until they won a the championship. But it happened because somebody had a dream. They stuck to their dream. I think some of us have given up on our dreams. We're getting older. It didn't happen yet. Oh, well. And we gave up on our dreams. And God is saying, no. While there's still life in you, I want you to keep dreaming. I want you to keep believing. I want you to keep accepting the fact that I am real and there is the possibility that your dreams can still come true. It all comes down to how hungry are you to see your dreams realized in God. I love this proverb in Proverbs 16, verse 26. It says, the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. How hungry are you? How hungry are you to see your dreams realized? You know, most of us start writing down uh, our New Year's resolutions, and after month one, we're we're doing good, but then six months in, the hunger starts to fade. We started off hungry at the beginning of the year, but there's something inside of us that has to keep us going. How hungry are you will determine if your dreams are realized. How hungry are you will determine whether you see your goals realized. You've got to stay hungry. You've got to stay hungry. You know, this man was driven by his hunger. And I believe that God is daring us to dream all over again. He wants us to be hungry about seeing it fulfilled in our lives. Some of us have given up seeing yourselves married in the kingdom of God because you've seen people around you and you thought, well, maybe that's just not God's plan in my life. Maybe, but is it that you gave up on the dream? Some of us have tried to see our families come to Christ. We pray for them. We start off praying for them every day, every night, begging, fasting, pleading with God. And it hadn't happened yet. And we just stopped praying for them altogether because we stopped dreaming about it. God is like, don't give up. Don't give up. You got to keep dreaming. 
God wants us to be hungry, and God has a dream for your life. But here's the thing. If God can't move you, then he can't use you. God's got to be able to move you. Move in your heart. Move your faith. Move your convictions. Move your habits from bad to good. Because if God can't move us, then he can't use us. If you're stuck in your faithlessness, then God cannot move. Jesus left whole towns because of a lack of faith. He could do any miracles. Is that the same for your household? Did Jesus have to walk away from your home because there was no faith there? You know, I pray and I beg God that that will not be the same thing said of the Harlem church. That Jesus won't walk past us because he doesn't see any faith here. We need to have faith. We need to believe that God can still move us. Does the message of the cross still move you? Does the message of God's love and kindness still move you towards repentance? Or are we still steadfast in our excuses, blaming everybody else for why we're not moving? forward in life. If God can't move you, he can't use you. Are you willing to embrace God's dream? Do you have dreams that you need God to reshape, but you got to give him something to work with? You got to give God something to work with. Some of us have been dreaming about a comeback for years. And you think that that's abnormal. The Knicks have been dreaming for a comeback for over 20 years. I said 20. We were in playoff. Don't forget Patrick Ewing now. Don't forget that year. Don't throw that year in the garbage. We went to the finals, all right? 20 years. Trying to compound on my pain, man. No 40 years. I just need them to be relevant. And I think the same attitude happens with Christians. We think we got to blow it out the park to be relevant. Where in the Bible does it say you have to be a prophet that can, that can call down fire to be relevant in God's kingdom? Jesus said the least of these are the greatest in the kingdom of God. The least in our church is great in the eyes of God. You just need to be relevant to God. But you've got to dream you got a dream. This can't be another year of small prayers and small goals. we got to take it to God with great faith. I've seen people bounce back from the grave spiritually and physically. Our sister Glenda Strong should have been gone a long time. I sat in the room with the doctors and her mother as they were reading through. This is all we can do. I've seen it with my own eyes. I was there and watched this woman open her eyes when the machine was keeping her alive. You can't tell me that God can't move. You can't tell me that faith is not real when you can see it.
when you can feel it. That woman had great faith. It challenged my own. And that woman kept coming back from the grave. And I'm thinking, that's God right there. Some of us, our faith is buried in disappointment, discouragement, dissatisfaction, disconnection, disbelief. Can you believe that God can resurrect your faith? Well, I don't believe you. That's why I double-dog dare you. I double-dog dare you. You got to show it. You got to act like it. You got to walk like you believe that God is real. And God is tired of small faith. He deserves greater faith than us. God is calling us to be what we hadn't been in a long time. Some of us, it shows in your face. It shows in your disposition. You can hear it in your prayers. You don't really believe what you're saying. And God is saying, I want to move you. I want to use you, but I need to be able to move you. I have a double dog there for our church today. I dare you to see things different this year. And then I dare you to be different this year. You need to see things different. You got to see with the eyes of faith. And I'm talking to myself here as well. I'm challenging my own faith to see things differently and to be a different person this year. I'm tired of, of, of wanting to be different. It's time to start being different. Can I get an amen to that? I dare you to see different. To stop seeing the dark clouds over your life and start to see the bright sun, the shining light that is God beaming down on your life. I don't care what you're going through right now because God is bigger than that. God cares. He cares about all the details of your life. You can't let that keep you from seeing God and seeing things different. We all have circumstances that we wish were different. But God wants to know, can you see me in this? Can you see me in the middle of all this? Because if you can, then I can use you. I can use you. Turn with me over to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We'll start reading together in verse 1 through verse 7. You know, I love this story. I always go back to the story to encourage my faith, to remind me of how great God is. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his, as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil in all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. 
you and your sons can live on what is left. Spiritual dreamers are determined to see solutions. When we dream, we see solutions and not just problems. Dreamers see solutions. That's why we have so many things in life today. Someone saw that there needed to be light in the darkness, and instead of focusing on the darkness, they invented the light bulb. We can't just sit around and look at our problems. This woman could have had her sons taken right before her eyes until she had to open her eyes and see different. Elisha was willing to see what others were not. And the widow, she just saw a problem. But Elisha saw an opportunity. He saw an opportunity for God to move in this woman's life. Her situation was desperate. She cried out in her time of need. And she knew who to cry to. And I think that's a very important point right there. You know, sometimes we cry, but we cry to the wrong people. And instead of helping us see God, they help us to see our problems even bigger. Oh, well, you know. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be in that situation. No talk about God at all. Because their own faith is weak. When you need help with your faith, you've got to go to faithful people. You've got to go to the right people. Sometimes just talking to people who are in the same pity party as you does not help. You've got to go to people who are in that exciting party, that party where all the music is blasting and everybody's smiling and jumping around. They've got issues too, but they see more of the solution than they're focusing on the problems. People in the pity party just sit around talking about the problems. The music is playing. The record is all scratched up. They only got nachos. Where people over there are eating on shrimp and, and, and sparkling cider. And, and, and they, got, they got DJ Jeff for playing music. I mean, they, they're partying over there because they're like, you know what? We got problems, but we're not going to let our problems keep us down because we're dreamers. We're not ignoring our problems. We're just not going to let our problems keep us from enjoying life. She was blinded by her problems. She's blinded by her debt. Debt can be a big issue. It can be a big stumbling block to our faith, especially if you've been in debt for a long time. Sometimes you just need to open your arms and just embrace it. Just give your dad a big hug and be like, we're going to be together for a long time, so we might as well get acquainted. Because you're not going anywhere anytime soon, so I might as well just make your bed for you here. What do you want for breakfast? You want some eggs and bacon? You want coffee? You want sugar? Because you're going to be here for a while, so instead of complaining about and getting upset, you might as well embrace it and move on with your life. I mean, why? Because creditors, they threatened this woman at the worst possible time. She just lost her husband. And they're right at her door, threatening to take her children so that they can repay the debt that their father owed. But I love this woman. She went to a, a man of God. She reminded the man of how devoted her husband was to God. You know, when we go to God in prayer, sometimes we just need, hey, God, remember. I, I've, I've sacrificed 
I've, I've served, I've given you my whole heart, I've, I've, I've done, and God knows all that. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves. Because what it does is it reminds you of how far God has carried you. It reminds you of how, how, how blessed your life really is. And so this woman, she goes and she tells him, you know, I, I need help. And, 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 and while he's mourning, while she's mourning, the creditors come. They call at the most inopportune time, don't they? You're already, re- you're trying to recover from, from the last bad news and, and your phone is ringing. Who is it? Hey, when are you going to send that money? At the wrong time. And, you know, Satan is the same way. Satan is like a creditor. He comes at the worst possible time. The Bible says that Satan is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care what's going on in your life. He doesn't care what just happened to you. I'm here to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes when we're vulnerable. He comes when you're weak. He comes when you're bitter. He comes when you're sad. He comes at the right time. Because he knows he could possibly take you out. You know, I can't imagine this woman, this widow being cordial when she pleads for help. Sometimes when we, when we ask God for prayers, we pray about things. How ugly do you get in your prayers? I, I can't imagine this woman crying out, Elisha, Elisha, can you, can you come on up, Elisha, oh, he didn't hear me, Elisha, when you need help, how loud do you get, how loud do you get, when, 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 when you're desperate and in need, how ugly do you get in your prayer, I believe that we need to get some ugly crying going on, I mean, when I think about how bad we want things, you know, there's a difference in children. When kids cry, when they're having a temper tantrum, it's different than when they're crying and they're really in need. They get real ugly. It's like, oh, I mean, you know, it's like, where did that face come from? And, but when they're, you know, it's all pouty and uh, that's, that's a temper tantrum right there. But when they're hurt or when they're hungry, they get, uh, eyes all, nose all runny and all snotty and everything, that's the kind of prayers we need to humble out and put before God. I believe some of our situations will change if we just humbled out and got ugly before the Lord. Lord, Lord, Jesus, are you there? What kind of prayer is that? That doesn't show that you're serious. If someone snatched your kid, you would, help, help, you're going to be running like you're crazy. If you're caught in a fire, you're going to be yelling your lungs out. Some of us have been stuck in our situation so long, we need to see things different, but we're not praying like we really, really, really want God to get us out of this situation. We need to get ugly in our pleas. Elisha was eager to help, just like God is. God sees the panic. He sees the tossing and turning at night. He sees the fear. He sees the anxiety. And just like Elisha, he's asking, how can I help you? Do you need him to help you get healthy? Do you need him to help you dream again? 
Do you need him to help you rebuild your confidence? Do you need him to help repair your faith? Do you need God to get rid of bitterness in your heart? Do you need God to help you in your financial situation? I think sometimes as Christians, we're afraid to pray spiritual prayers. We're afraid to pray worldly prayers because we think that we should only pray the stuff that will help us grow spiritually. I don't know about you, but having my debt dealt with will help me out in my faith. Lord, I'm not asking for a million dollars. Just help me to figure this out. If you're lonely and you're struggling with, instead of struggling with lust and impurity, pray and ask God to help you find a godly man or a godly woman that can help meet that need of your life. I shouldn't be praying for a husband or a wife because I should be undivided devotion to the Lord. Amen. But God wants you to be happy too. I think about all the, all the barren moms in the Bible that we read about who are unable. God didn't have to answer, but God did. Why? Because it was a deep desire in their hearts. I mean, you look at Hannah's prayer. How could God ignore that? She got ugly, so ugly that the prophet thought she was drunk. Thought she was drunk. Why wouldn't God send you someone to love? If that's your deepest heart's desire. Some of us need to ask God to help us with our marriage. And I'm not just talking about, Lord, help him to change. I'm not just talking about, Lord, help her to stop nagging. I'm talking about, Lord, help us to trust each other again. Lord, help me to love her the way I did when I first put that ring on her finger and told her that I can't live the rest of my life without her. Help me to get back to that kind of love. Lord, help me to dream again about being with my wife and doing great things for you. Help me to get back to that. God, help me to respect him again. Help me to love her again. Deep prayer. Life-changing prayers. Elisha saw God doing the impossible in this woman's life. We think the impossible is impossible because we want to change. Luke 1.37 says, there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing at all. Elisha dared this widow to see God. And that's what dreamers do. We get people to see Beyond themselves. See beyond their current state of, in life. You got to see beyond it. You got to see what other people don't see. That's what dreamers do. We don't see what is, we see what can become. And that's what we do. They inspire those who cannot see. In verse 5 and 6, it says, She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And I mean, this woman just kept pouring. And you could just imagine her face. She was just, I mean, so excited. She said, bring some more. Bring. She lost track of how many jars she had because God is the God of even more. God doesn't just give us what we need. God can give you even more than what you need. Sometimes we need help achieving our dreams. We need other people in our lives helping us to see God amid our problems. Sometimes we, we, we see our dreams, realize 
with people who have greater faith than our own, who can kind of nurture our faith back to health, mature us, remind us that God is able to do the impossible. God wants us to see different this year. I believe it. I believe it. He's a more than enough kind of God. He blessed that woman's life with more than enough. She had, more, she had enough to pay off her debt and then live who, who, who knows how long. But I'll tell you one thing. Going forward after this incident, she saw God differently. She saw her life differently because someone opened her eyes. Someone had a dream. He dared to dream, and he passed that dream on to that woman, and she was changed forever after that. All it takes is one thing for God to do in your life to get you to become a dreamer. God dares us to see differently. And God also dares us to be different. God dares us to be different. In 2 Kings chapter 6, let me get this ugly face out of here. Be different. 2 Kings 6, verses 1 through 7. Let's look at another example of the dreamer Elisha. 2 Kings 6, verses 1 through 7. The Bible reads, The company of prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we met, where we meet you with, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole, and let us build the place there for us to live. And he said, Go. Then one man said, won't you please come with us, your ser- with, uh, with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. Then he went to the Jordan and began to cut down the trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him in the place, the place Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. You know, this is a very interesting story right here. Sometimes you wonder why these little phrases, these little paragraphs are in the Bible. Without a whole lot of extra details. But one thing that jumps out to me is that Elisha made an iron axe head float. I mean, that seems to be the obvious thing, right? I, I, you know, I mean, we don't work with that type of stuff today, but I, I can imagine if you threw a hammer in the Hudson River, it's not going to float. It's just not going to float. And so here we see Elisha. When I read this, I'm thinking, that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. I mean... Who makes, who, you know, and the way he did it, it wasn't like he walked on water or he walked. That would have been even, he just cut off a branch, threw it where it fell, and it floated to the top. That's ridiculous. But you know what? That's a ridiculous kind of faith. I mean, I remember as a young Christian, we would pray, for, I would pray for things and think, hey, that ain't going to happen. And then when you see it happen, you're like, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, how did that just happen? And, you know, that's a childlike faith. That's the kind of faith that we need to be different. Elisha wasn't afraid to do things differently. He wasn't afraid to take risks. He wasn't afraid to, 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 to step out and be different. These were other prophets he were around. Why couldn't they get it out himself? 
You know, sometimes we need people in our lives to help our faith out. With ridiculous faith comes ridiculous dreams. And with ridiculous dreams comes ridiculous blessings. Elisha was a spiritual pioneer, man. He, he did not do things the way Elisha did things. He did things his way because he, wanted to, he was charting a new path. And I believe in the faith that we need people stepping out doing things that hadn't been done before. Just being different. Showing us a new way to do things. But it takes faith. It takes vision. It takes dreaming. How can we do this differently? How can we glorify God in this way? Are you a ridiculous dreamer? Do you just put prayers up there that's like, God, I don't like, you know, I can't really see myself doing this, but, you know, I know it's ridiculous, but you are in the business of doing the incredible. I double-dog dare everyone here to pray some ridiculous dreams this, this year. I mean, things that you know it could not have happened unless it was God. I'm not talking about, Lord, help me find a job or a better job. You could do that on your own. I'm talking about, Lord, move me up in a company where I'm at, no experience, minimal experience. Give me a position that I know it had to be you. That's ridiculous faith. It's something that you know you can't do on your own, that it had to come from God. Is there someone you want to see God bring to the Lord that you just know it's going to take some ridiculous time? It's going to take God to move this person's heart. We need to be praying those kind of prayers for our our government. The things that everybody else hears about. And before you can even get the words out of your mouth, they're like, that's God. In the middle of telling the story, they just stop. That's God right there, right? You know that's God, right? I mean, those kind of prayers. Elisha was not afraid to do what no one else had done. Sometimes fear keeps us from taking risk. God doesn't want you to have a safe faith. Safe faiths don't move people. Jesus did not have a safe faith. The prophets, Moses didn't have a say. When he went before Pharaoh, he did not feel safe at all. He didn't want to go, but he had faith that God was going to do what he said. And he went before the Pharaoh and commanded, let his people go. Who do you need to be bold with? God will give you a ridiculous faith. You know, another thing that stands out to me with this man is, They were cutting down trees to to build their their homes. So in essence, he kind of lost his cutting edge. He couldn't cut anymore, right? And I think spiritually, some of us have lost our cutting edge. Where we used to be sharp spiritually, we're dull now. Do you believe God can help you get your cutting edge back? And we'll be talking a lot more about this in the year to come. Some of us, like this prophet, May have lost our cutting edge. And just like Elisha, we need someone to help us get it back. Where have you gone dull? Where where could you have gone dull in your faith? Have your convictions gone dull? Have you been sharp in in years past and now your, your convictions are not as strong as they used to be? 
What about your purity? Do you have lingering thoughts in your heart, in your mind? Do you allow yourself to go places that you know you should not go? What about your resiliency? Are you ready to give up? Are you ready to quit? Do you need someone to sharpen you again? Who's keeping you sharp? Who's helping you keep your cutting edge? You know, it sounds a lot like the second greatest commandment to me. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Elisha could have said, you know what, go fish it out yourself. I'm busy. I'm building my little hut over here. But instead, he loved his neighbor. He went over and he helped his friend get his cutting edge back. That's what it's going to take. Some of us are sharp. We hadn't lost our cutting edge. My challenge to you is find someone who has and help them get theirs back. That's how we all stay sharp. That's how we all stay on the edge. My challenge to the singles edge ministry, you guys are named the edge, right? Get your edge back. Do you have your cutting edge? If you don't, then you need to help. Ask someone, help me get it back. This is where I feel like I've gotten dull. I know as a married man, I was sharper as a single. And when I got married, I noticed that some things wasn't as sharp anymore. In the singles, I was, a, I was a steak knife. I got married. I became a butter knife in some areas. And I'm not blaming my wife. I'm not blaming her at all. I'm just thinking there's a mentality that we have sometimes when we cross over from the single life into the married life. Ooh, I've arrived. Take it easy. I don't need to, to, to be as involved anymore, bro. Whoa, whoa. I don't need to serve as much because I'm married now. I'm married. I wasn't serving as much as I was. I used to ask, hey, is there any guys you guys need any help? And I used to serve at weddings. Guys need help putting up chairs. You need... I got married. Hey, how you doing? You know, you sit down with your wife and that's it. That's it. Come to church early. Bro, is there anything that needs to be done? I'm married now. Okay, well, oh, honey, I'll save you a seat over here and, uh, and uh, you know, we'll worship the Lord together. We used to be at everything when we were single. Edgy. We get married. Oh, my husband, my wife is sick, bro. I'm not going to be able to make it. And she's like, no, you better go to church. You know, you ain't doing nothing for me anyway. I'm going to stay in bed. I'm going to turn on some, some, something to binge on, sip on some of this tea and some of this. You go to church and you, that's how you can help me. No, 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 honey, I need to be there for you. You don't feel well. I got to take care of you. You can take care of it by going to be spiritual. Losing our edge. Losing our edge. We need to get it back. We need to get it back. Because let me tell you something. If you lose your edge, what are you going to fight off Satan with? I'm going to tell you right now. We will only be as strong as our spiritual habits. 
If your spiritual habits are weak, you will be prey to Satan. That's just as simple as that. Why was Jesus able to fight Satan off? It's because he knew his word. Why was Peter able to bounce back? Because he had a resilient faith in Jesus. Jesus said, your faith will not fail you. Isn't that what he told him? He says, your faith will not fail you. Our spiritual habits cannot be taken for granted. They cannot be taken. We don't know what this year is going to bring for us. Some of us are already starting off with challenges. You don't know what next week is going to bring. You don't know it. You got to be on your game. We got to be different. You can't coast. If you coasted last year, you can't coast this year. Because you're only as strong as your spiritual habits are. In Psalm 81, verses 10 through 16, the plane is landing. Psalm 81, verses 10 through 16, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would listen, would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. God promises that if we come to him, he'll feed us. He'll take care of us. He'll meet those needs. He'll satisfy our spiritual needs. But we got to be hungry. We got to go after him. We got to go after him every day. Our spiritual habits will determine how often we're satisfied by God. God promises, I'll meet you halfway. But you got to come the rest of the way. You got to meet me halfway. I can't do it all for you. I can't pray for you. I'll pray with you. And sometimes he needs to pray for us. Jesus prays for us. But that can't be our walk with God. God is saying, I dare you. know, I double dog dare you to dream big this year. Pray daily for God to do something different in your life. Something that you didn't think was possible. Where do you want to be six months from now? Put it before the Lord. Put it before God. Do you need God to help you get your edge back? Put that before the Lord. Do you have a big decision that you just, you don't know what to make? Put that before the Lord. You'd be surprised at what God can do. You'd be surprised at what God can do. Do you need God to do the impossible in you, in your family, in your career? What do you need God to do? Get ugly about it. Cry out to God. I need this to change. I need this to be different and be ugly about it. Be consistent about it. Be faithful about it. What is God double dog daring you to do this year? Where is he daring you to see different and be different in? You know, yesterday, Ashley Halsey took the double dare challenge to dream and be different. She was baptized into Christ as our sister in Christ. Today, Jennifer will take the dare to see different 
and be different. Later this afternoon, she'll become your sister in Christ. They took the challenge. Let's imitate their faith. Let's dare to dream in 2018 to God bless glory.